0: It's always fun how the audio is just, like, different every single time we do this. Okay. Isn't that great?
1: Consistent sort of thing.
0: I use the same settings over and over again, and yet somehow it's different each time. Okay.
1: Oh. It's science, not science.
0: I mean, I don't think we're trying to commune with otherworldly beings just yet.
1: Maybe maybe that's how we do the communing. Is, is we, we're, all, we're unintentionally doing it every time we set up uh, the microphones for... <sighs> recording is that's that's actually how seances go maybe these mediums have been doing it wrong the whole time
0: i'm not going to say that that's not how that works but i'm fairly confident that that's not how that works
1: so you're a medium who can talk to ghosts and know how things work obviously yes okay my bad i thought that kind of went without saying i feel it's one of those things
0: you have to explicitly say say explicitly say explicitly well, I guess I'm performing seances then. There you go. Well, welcome to the Dungeon Bros Podcast. This is episode four. We're going to be talking about Strixhaven, a curriculum of chaos. But first, I'm Connor.
1: And I am Sam.
0: And we are not brothers. Nope. But we like D&D. Mm-hmm. So we like to talk about D&D. And uh,
1: colloquially, Colloquial. bro works for any of your uh, Indeed, friends.
0: Indeed. Indeed. It doesn't have to be exclusively for biological or step brothers.
1: True true. We are, we are neither of those things. We are. You we have step-siblings and real siblings. I have I real siblings. I do. Not to say that step-siblings aren't real siblings.
0: I was going to say they exist. They're not fake. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> they're actually just figments of your imagination. Entirely. You've entirely. These stories about all these, uh, all these people who are yeah. related to you via, uh,
0: via marriage of your father to another woman. Well, they're not married. Oh, they're not? No. Oh. It's one of those... They might eventually kind of deals, but not right now sort of deals mm. yeah, you know?
1: so legally, there's nothing tying you to these other individuals
0: legally no uh emotionally and interpersonally absolutely mm. so there's that very good before we get into our normal nonsense. I do have a bit of a serious note that I want to talk about. Um, we live in kentucky mm-hmm. you're form you're formerly from Ohio, but like southern Ohio, yeah, yeah. As of recording this, last, late last week, uh, a very bad series of tornadoes came through uh, Kentucky and Tennessee and many uh, states along that sort of uh, eastern side of the United States. And um, I have many friends that live in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Uh, that's where I went to college. That's my alma mater. Spent four years down there. It's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful campus at Western Kentucky University. But uh, a lot of people there are experiencing a whole lot of damages from the tornado. Buildings destroyed um, in the state of of uh, Kentucky. In the state of Kentucky, there are at least fifty confirmed deaths, though they estimate it to be closer to like a hundred. Um, so yeah, I just wanna I just wanna make sure that that. We acknowledge that it kind of hits me close to home, and uh, anyone that wants to do wants to give some well wishes to those uh, in Kentucky that would be greatly appreciated. Feel free to look into your own places to donate money if you want to. We're not going to tell you where to do that. That's not really our place. But yeah, I just wanted to lead off with that before we get into our normal ridiculous bullshit, beginning with Samuel. Yes. When we post this, it will be a couple of days before Christmas. And as you know, Santa and Christmas, very interconnected. Yes. The, the, the figure of Santa Claus, Kris Kringle. Right, yes. If you will. The older I get, the more I'm afraid that Santa actually exists. And I'm going to tell you why I'm afraid. I mean, this man, presumably man, mm-hmm. could be a woman. No real sightings, really. It's true. I mean, the news shows his sleigh animated um, in, like, weather graphics from time to time. Right. Presumably,
1: popular notion of Santa comes from the uh, 1800s Indeed. due to um, Macy's.
0: Indeed. Indeed. But this man, assuming he is a man, sees you when you're sleeping, knows when you're awake, mm-hmm. knows if you've been bad or good. By what metric is he judging the nice or the naughtiness of a person. I feel like he's operating outside of any sort of governing body. Now I'm not particularly pro governing body, but in the case of Santa Claus, this seemingly omnipotent being that is able to both know when everyone is sleeping and when they're awake. I don't, I don't know if we should be allowing this individual to be running a rampant with this much power over the populace of the world, Mm. you know, at the very least, if, say, the Secret Service, the Marines, Navy SEALs, whatever team they dispatch to bring in Santa, as should be done, he's a very uncomfortable person to be around, I I would assume, I believe he would be brought up at the very least trespassing charges. Mm. Millions of counts for all of the various households throughout the United States, at minimum. I would argue some form of voyeurism or spying as well could be argued at least for me, anti Santa. Anti Santa. I'm very, very anti Santa. Uh,
1: uh, well, have you considered that uh, Santa may not be a person, but maybe it's actually an acronym, one that we don't know, uh, because it's actually a uh, a a world power, a a intelligence agency that is stationed itself far beyond the reaches of the normal human. And that this Santa, this group is committing is 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 doing espionage all over the world, and that's why they know, they have bugs wow. everywhere. The
0: cameras are all of theirs. So this sort of Hydra level organization, yeah, exactly under the guise of Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. I would argue that's more terrifying, isn't it? Though this is so much more terrifying. So
1: uh, clearly, we need some sort of counterintelligence agency to we fight do. Santa.
0: We do. Should we name it like Grinch? Come up with an acronym Ooh, for Grinch. I feel yeah. like that would be good. Jack right. Frost. Maybe. Um, these,
1: uh, yeah. These are, uh, or some sort of other. Uh, an anti-Christmas. What's, oh, yeah. What's, uh, what's the what's the bad Scrooge? Name? No, not Scrooge. Uh, the uh, there's there's specifically like an anti-Santa. I can't remember his name right now.
0: It's like the antichrist of Santas.
1: Yeah, because yeah.
0: Wasn't there wasn't there a version of Santa that the whole stocking thing came from? Like he, Santa would kidnap you or something. Or otherwise, if you didn't put a sock out for him to put shit in.
1: I mean, if we really want to go way back I think it came from Saint Nicholas, who when when he would walk down the street at night and when people would hang their socks out to dry if you have to I wash your of. socks, and back yeah. in those days you didn't have washing machines, he would throw coins into them.
0: Hmm. hmm. I feel like that's some Disney whitewashing shit to what was actually going on there. Oh, a hundred percent. Like, okay,
1: it, it, it's it's the it's the modern
0: mythos, if you will. Very good. The modern mythos. Oh, there
1: are so many things
0: we can Indeed. talk about in the modern mythos. That's mean, just one of them. Moving on. Okay. Forgot to crack that earlier. No, I'm not getting drunk at eleven thirty on a Tuesday. That is an ale, ate, a delicious Kentucky soda beverage. It's
1: been quite a while since I've seen you drink much more than an alcoholic beverage. In a given month really in a given month yeah you don't drink that much at least not around me
0: yeah i I definitely drink honestly I drink the most when I'm around my my family <laughs> <laughs> like thanks like thanksgiving I'll have like a couple beers My family drives me to drink as well, don't worry oh, they don't drive me to drink it's just a lot more it's a lot easier to interact with um that level of family when you're a little when you're a little you know in the in the can as they say.
1: Driven to drink, like oh, Indeed. I have to spend time with these people. Indeed, not to say I, I don't like my family; they're lovely people. I'm I sure. love my family, lovely, lovely, love, love, to I love meet My them family someday. very much. Um...
0: you love to meet them someday. So he said, "Okay." Anyway, anyway, uh, the other day I went to Walmart. Could start to a story as one often does. Yes, and I found the Magic: The Gathering section of the store. Mm. packs of Magic: The Gathering, the Forgotten Realms, the D and D set. From Magic the Gathering, as we discussed last week, they run like four dollars a pack. That's to like twenty bucks a week if you're doing like a one pack opening during every work day. Mm -hmm. I really i I'm struggling. I'm really struggling because I know that that's a bad monetary decision to make.
1: Yes, I believe you did out the math to what it would come out
0: to in a year. Um... It'd be twenty bucks a week, which would be a hundred and four dollars. A year, if that math is correct. That is not correct. Twenty. 20. Oh, a thousand and forty. There I you go. I forgot a zero. <laughs> a thou, one thousand and forty dollars. Get- that is a lot of money, Christ. But content, Magic the Gathering pack openings in general, card game pack openings are rather popular.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you know, but you gotta commit. Gotta commit to that bit. I, w- I would have to commit to that bit, and I don't know if I am ready to commit to that bit.
1: But I mean, like you said, it's twenty bucks a week. Which, uh, if you if you switched from, uh, you know, eating out three or four times a week to maybe eating out two or three times a week, yeah, I mean, is that
0: twenty bucks? I mean, I've all, I've already done a better job of that. You have. I've, I've been making a lot of quesadillas lately. You have. Big fan of the barbecue chicken quesadilla. It's easy. It's, it's good. Very, it's very easy meal prep. Mm-hmm. Get like four to five meals out of it. It's wonderful. Anyway, this has been quite a sidebar. <laughs> This has been quite a sidebar. So as of the day before we record this, December 13th of 2021, there's an update to the Sage Advice compendium on dnd.wizards.com. Uh, if you do not know, the Sage Advice is a collection of erratas as well as uh, Q&As with the developers of d d to answer interesting and weird edge case scenarios when it comes to the rules surrounding d d uh, they provide a link to all the PDFs of various erratas for books that they've released, such as the Curse of Strahd, the DMG, the Player's Handbook, Storm King's Thunder, Sword Coast Adventures Guide, Tales from the Yawning Portal, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, Tomb of Annihilation, and Volo's Guide to Monsters. This specific uh, sage advice has an update to the flavor text for the drow, clarifying the difference between the culture of, oh boy, Menzo Buran- Buranzen, a city in the grip of Lulth's cult in the Forgotten Realms and separating that with the drow race itself. Interesting. But the more interesting things are four new rules questions, specifically associated with the idea of spells versus spell attacks, and then one of the spells that is in uh, the Strixhaven, A Curriculum of Chaos, which we will get to shortly. The first question, uh, recent books that include monster stats like The Dragon Blessed in *Fizban's Treasury of Dragons and The Silver Quill Apprentice in Strixhaven, A Curriculum of Chaos, that contain actions designated as spell attacks rather than weapon attacks. What was the motivation for adding this type of action into the game? This question is really just a clarification that spell attacks are not a new type of attack for monster stat blocks. Following up in the second question as well, is a spell attack a spell? No. A spell attack is a type of attack. There are weapon attacks and then spell attacks. Spell attacks are magically based. Oftentimes, spells cause spell attacks, but spell attacks are not spells in and of themselves. And they've been around since the release of the Monster Manual in 2014. Uh, There's even a section talking about it in the Monster Manual on page 10, The third question, when a monster casts a spell without using a spell slot, how do you know the spell's level? If it's not specified in the stat block, it is whatever level the spell naturally is in whatever book it is printed in. It seems like most of this is just, as you stated when we were discussing it previously... To clarify the effect of, say, a counterspell, Mm -hmm. not being able to counterspell a lich's paralyzing touch or a cambion's fire ray, but you can cancel, say, a deva's heal spell. Right. I don't know if the deva has the heal spell, but I know it has some sort of healing magic that are used, whatever. You get the point.
1: Kind of a, yeah, yeah, clarification. Can we use Counterspell? Should we be expending a spell slot on this? Exactly. Um, Because a lot of monsters don't necessarily have the same... uh, What I don't think a lot of people understand is... Monsters don't necessarily have to have levels. Like, they don't have to be built like a player character. Monsters are expected to to live a couple of rounds. Whereas player characters are supposed to live multiple combats. So, instead of trying to build every monster out like you would a character... Um, like you might have in earlier editions of... uh, that they did in earlier editions of D&D. Instead, you just want to make sure this monster can actually try to do some things in combat. Exactly. Exactly.
0: The fourth question has to do with one of the Strixhaven spells, Silvery Barbs, and its effect on Legendary resistances. We will get to that later when we are discussing the Strixhaven spells. But this is a good time as ever to segue into Strixhaven. But... Before we do, I think we need to shout out some of the socials. The TikTok, of course. We're on TikTok live as we record right now. I don't think anybody is watching. It is eleven thirty on a Tuesday morning.
1: There might be a person.
0: That isn't you? That isn't me. Oh wow. That's impressive. Anyway, TikTok at Dungeon Bros YT, the YouTube Dungeon Bros as well. You can listen to our podcast on podcasting services round the globe. Indeed. Round the globe. Apple, Google, Spotify plex microwave ovens presumably smart fridges smart fridges Mm. as well as our twitter and our discord server which you can find a link to join our discord server in the link tree in the bio of our tiktok as well as in the description of the youtube video of the podcast there's no easy way to put links in the description of podcasts unfortunately to the podcasting services around the globe which is a shame anyway If you wanted to submit a question, comment, or concern for us to read on the show, the best place to do that is on the Discord. Second best place is during the TikTok live of us recording the podcast. Third best place, uh, DM or add us on Twitter. Yeah. So. Interact with us. We'd love to uh, interact with you. Take advantage of that. Anyway. Strixhaven, a Curriculum of Chaos, is the newest Dungeons & Dragons campaign setting? I say with a question mark, it is advertised as a campaign setting. I would argue it is an adventure module. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just based on page count, the campaign setting portion of it and character options are pages 1 to 60. And 60 to 224 are the adventure module and bestiary.
1: I can see how they they would want to call it more of a campaign setting since... Uh, there's if you're familiar with dimension 20s fantasy high the i think the idea is it's a you can run entire campaigns in a school setting yeah um and and if you really and and kind of that classic go out and adventure style of uh of of campaign maybe doesn't fit right here
0: yeah yeah that's i totally get that i love the campaign setting stuff that's in this book so at the end of the day, I feel like Wizards of the Coast did not do a very good job advertising what this book was. They they definitely advertised this to people as a campaign setting. And I'm sure people were expecting it to be able to be molded into like a Harry Potter style uh, setting with very little effort. But the fact that the majority of the book is a level one to 10 adventure, which by the way, a level one to 10 adventure that's a that's a sizable campaign. Pretty cool. It's a very sizable campaign. Um, all of that being said, if you want to run a Harry Potter style D anD D campaign, and you don't and you're not married to the idea of Hogwarts and Harry Potter, Strixhaven is a really good book.
1: Yeah, I actually like that about how they did Strixhaven. Is that it is not just a a Harry Potter. Um, stand in, or, or, or they didn't just try to take Hogwarts and shove it into the into the D and D universe. Um, I think that this is is itself very good for what it is.
0: I agree. Strixhaven, of course, being one of the realms in Magic: The Gathering that already exists, very heavily inspired by Harry Potter, mm-hmm. and the Harry Potter inspiration is very clear when you read through the adventure. Um, We will not be going into the adventure module at all today. Um, What we will say is a quick overview. The adventure module is divided into, I believe, three or four chapters, each one based off one school year, which takes you from level one to three your first year, three to, I believe, six, six to eight, and then Mm -hmm. eight to ten each for the four years. There's a lot of unique features and role play opportunities that they provide and rule sets for that we will get into here shortly. But first, let's talk about the character options.
1: Yes, absolutely. What college are you? I know. Oh boy.
0: I you know what you are. Yes. Oh man, I did not near, I did not think about it nearly enough. I would probably say I am either a Lorehold or a Silverquill. Mm-hmm. What are you feeling? Witherbloom. Witherbloom. Well, that's fair.
1: Based on based on our wizards that we play in different D and D campaigns. That sounds
0: very appropriate, actually. Yeah. <laughs>
1: definitely Each of those makes sense.
0: Yeah. I think I could argue I could make an argument for like quandrix. Yeah. I but I definitely I definitely think my Lucene is more of a lore or a silver quill. I would I would lean more towards lore hold. But
1: Very good. Alright.
0: Divination Wizard versus Necromancer. Yes. <laughs> That's very appropriate. Anyway, the four the five geez, the five colleges of Strixhaven are silver quill witherbloom prismari quandrix and Lorehold, much like the houses of harry potter and hogwarts as well as the other wizarding schools in that universe uh, each of them are closely tied with certain types of magic uh, i like that this isn't a wizard's school this is a magic school and they make it very clear that like the Lorehold. Really good for your wizard. Really good for a lore bard. Mm-hmm. Witherbloom. Yes, you can be a me- necromancer. That's also a, that's also a college for druids. Yeah, and then you've got like they make a point to include all of the caster types, as well as even opening up the door to you don't have to be a caster.
1: Right. They mentioned the uh, barbarian options that do give you some. Uh casting or some magical abilities yes
0: the uh wild magic barbarian Mm -hmm. for one while not strictly spell casting is magic based there are options available in this book for what to do if you are more strength focused as a character Mm -hmm. uh rather than intelligence wisdom or charisma focused and i really like that i love i love the concept of i really this obviously the party that plays this campaign is going to have a lot of wizard sorcerer warlock bard all that kind of stuff but i really love the idea of playing like an eldritch knight or an arcane trickster or a blade singer like a melee focused but still has spellcasting sort of class i think could be really fun in the setting and set you apart from the rest of your party
1: oh yeah i mean every no matter you're like hey we're playing in a magical school there's always going to be i every group i play with will be like there'll be one guy who go yeah I'm, I'm i'm gonna still play
0: my Barbarian. Exactly. Exactly. Now, let's get into the character options. The character options are kind of thin, and I think that's where a lot of people online being upset with this book are upset with the advertising, because campaign setting implies there's going to be a lot more character options available than an adventure module. Anyway, there are still some character options. The Owlin being one, sort of a smaller, smarter, quicker Aarakocra. Yes. In many ways. They, um, uh, an-
1: live longer, fu- uh, walks faster, fly slower, uh, and then you get, instead of uh, an extra uh, 1d4 plus whatever claw attack, you get uh, proficiency in stealth. 120
0: foot dark vision range. Yes, indeed. Uh, an interesting note here, this is the first race that we have seen printed in a book since Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, and it does not include ability score improvements, it says you can simply go with a plus two and a plus one to a stat of your choice or three plus ones.
1: Which, of course, is the kind of the direction that D- uh, Wizards of the Coast is looking to go yeah. with this entire thing.
0: Allowing a whole lot more flexibility. I like it. The owlin's fine. I'm probably not going to be an owl. As neat as they are.
1: Yeah. It, exactly. It's it's fine. It's yeah. I just, I again, I get why they
0: added it, but. yeah, It's all good. Next, we're going to talk about the five background options that are available. They are based off of the five colleges available at Strixhaven. Um, Again, Silverquill, Witherbloom, Prismari, Quandrix, and Lorehold. These backgrounds function much like most other backgrounds, providing various skill, tool, proficiencies, language proficiencies, based on what college you're in. They all have the same kind of feature, Mm -hmm. giving you additional access to certain spells, regardless of what class you are playing. I want to note, these spells are not added to the spells that you know. These are added to your spell list. So if you are a caster, like a wizard or a sorcerer or a warlock who has to choose, or a bard, that has to choose their spells. These are available for you to choose. Mm -hmm. They're not available to you innately. Now, if you are like a cleric or a paladin or a druid, where you can prepare your spells every single day, you have access to your whole list. You're going to have access to a slew of new spells that you might not normally be able to have. Something to keep in mind when looking for what college you want your character to be a part of.
1: Overall, once you kind of get into uh, more major campaigns, well, I mean, by no means would I ever tell somebody you can't take that background. Well, for this, probably. I don't know if if necessarily they kind of fit into other sorts of uh, campaigns. Yeah,
0: the, these backgrounds are very heavily tied to Strixhaven. mm
1: mm-hmm. There's a joke here in Cincinnati where uh, it, there's a it, everybody's going to ask you what high school did you go to. I feel that's what it would be if you played a Strixhaven yeah. background, not Strixhaven, absolutely. In a absolutely. Um,
0: setting. Now, I personally, if someone said I want to take one of these Strixhaven backgrounds, I would be like, well. Logically, there's probably going to be a magic school in my campaign somewhere. We could say you're from there. We could say that's one of the colleges and just kind of run with it. At the end of the day, backgrounds aren't that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. And having a slightly expanded spell list is neat. And I'm not really against that. I don't think it's overpowered. One of the spells uh, that you get available to you based on this background, you get the spell that is associated with Mm -hmm. that college. Much in the same way that the feature that you get... From these backgrounds, you get the Strixhaven Initiate feat as part of your background. Getting a feat as a background is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. F- pretty powerful. Thankfully, the Strixhaven Initiate feat is much like just the Magic Initiate feat, giving you a couple of cantrips you can choose from, and then your choice of a first-level spell from a certain spell list or class of spell, I believe.
1: Uh Yes, yes. But
0: from a certain spell list, list. or... Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but it also gives you one free casting of that spell a day, just mm-hmm. like Shadow Touch, Fate Touch, uh, and I always enjoy that. I always enjoy just have, especially at low levels, having the ability to cast mm-hmm. another
0: spell. Yeah. Uh The background you choose will determine which of the strict save and initiate options you have available to you, which are again tied to the five different colleges. The integration here. It's really, really nice. It all kind of is seamless. And it it really sets up the idea that you do not have to play a caster class because right out of the gate at level one, if you are a monk and, you do, and you're not going to be a spell monk, you're still going to have cantrips. You're still going to have an extra spell because of your college. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have that ability too. As we discussed previously about allowing these backgrounds, I probably wouldn't allow the feet to go with the background because that would just make these five backgrounds pretty much better than any other background that's available.
1: I mean, a lot of the time, uh, it, well, once Tosh's came out, it kind of started pushing things a little bit this way as well. When, um, like, if you're a ranger wanted to take one of these, there's now a ranger option in uh, in Tosh's that also allows them to take druid cantrips and yeah. low-level stuff, so... I would say if you're if you were like i have the phb and the dmg and now i also have strixhaven i think it might be a little uh it might get a little fuzzy in there but i think if with the entirety of what dn uh wizards of the coast has put out in the last two years i think it starts to become a little more uh, a little more acceptable a little more run of the mill
0: almost Mm -hmm. that's fair as we had discussed previously there are five new spell options one associated with each of the five colleges, you yet again. The
1: other, uh, the other feet.
0: Oh my gosh, the there mascot. is there is there is one other feat as well. The Strixhaven mascot feat is essentially a buff to the find familiar spell, allowing your familiar to turn into one of the Strixhaven mascots for the five colleges. The stat blocks are available in Strixhaven: A Curriculum of Chaos, as well. They allow you to do
1: one. You can give up one of your attacks and, and use their reaction to do an attack. Pretty mediocre, ninety um, percent of the time. Uh, the other thing is you get one free once a day, without, as long as they're within sixty feet of you. You can tell you can switch places with them by teleporting. Yeah, that's the that's the coolest thing I think about it. I'm always yeah. down for a teleport. Overall, this isn't that cool of a. Yeah.
0: I, I, it's a straight buff to find familiar. If you're not gonna, if you're don't have access to find familiar and you want the spell it gives it to you. And I will say that the stat blocks for the college mascots are I would argue notably better than the stat blocks available to you with the normal find familiar spell. If you're the kind of person that loves your that loves having a familiar and knows how to make it useful from level 1 to level 20, then this is just a straight up buff to what you're able to do. Yeah,
1: kind of be going with the familiar build.
0: As a feat, I don't know if it's worth taking, unless your DM is, unless your DM is really cool, I imagine I would like to say if I were running this campaign, this adventure, that after they complete their first year from level one to three, just giving them all the mascot feet and they can each get the mascot associated with their colleges. That'd
1: be pretty cool, yeah, definitely.
0: And, and if you're the kind of DM that. Or the group that loves having pets and loves having little creatures roaming about with you, then that's totally good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now moving on. Now to the spells. Now to the spells. There are five spells. I think two of them stand above the rest as particularly powerful. But again, they are all associated with a different school of magic. We'll start with borrowed knowledge, which is associated with the Lorehold College. Borrowed Knowledge pretty much gives you proficiency in, like, anything that you want for a set amount of time.
1: Pick a proficiency you want for eight hours. There you go.
0: There you go. It's a very straightforward spell. I think balanced. It costs the spell slot. Second level? I think it's first.
1: First? It's not terrible. I don't know, depending on... Let's check.
0: We have the ability to check this.
1: We do. We are so smart for having the book.
0: Borrowed Knowledge is a second level divination spell that lasts for one hour. One hour, you get Ooh. a skill proficiency that you currently lack, and for the duration, you have proficiency in that skill.
1: So I do know because our friend Salem plays a uh, uh, whatever the undead rogue, the spirit rogue is. Um, spirit for, bard. No, uh, for, oh, for yeah, Skyros. For your, yeah. That's that's like his first level class feature is once a day he can choose a is uh, he can choose a proficiency. That he lacks and uh, gain that proficiency for the day. Overall,
0: this is fine. It's fine. It's good that it doesn't require concentration. It would be damn near useless if it did, I would argue. Right. But very good. The next spell is Kinetic Jaunt. Kinetic Jaunt is associated with the Prismari College. It's basically just a fancy expeditious retreat. Yeah, it's
1: a little buffed up expeditious retreat.
0: Bonus speed of 10 feet. You don't provoke opportunity attacks. That's the big one. There's Mm no opportunity attacks when you run, and you can move through the space of other creatures. And if you end your turn, you get jaunted back into. Yeah. Second level spell, very straightforward. It's fine. It's a bonus action spell, which I think also makes it better than expeditious retreat, which I believe is an action. I think you're right. So
1: I don't know off the top of my head, but uh, I'll say you're right.
0: And the PHB is not anywhere near. No, I put them back. Yeah, they're all they're all put away. So we're not going to. Speaking of the cat. Hello, Hello, welcome back. You have graced us with your presence next alphabetically is one of the better spells that is also the spell that has the errata that we were talking about earlier this is silvery barbs it is a first level spell it is a reaction spell that you take when a creature you can see within 60 feet of yourself succeeds on an attack roll ability check or saving throw basically you are triggering them to re-roll and take the lower you can then choose a different creature you can see within range you can also choose yourself The chosen creature has advantage on the next attack roll ability check or saving throw it makes within one minute. A creature can be empowered by only one use of this spell at a time.
1: I think this is good.
0: This is a phenomenal spell. It is instantaneous. The one minute lasting duration of that advantage attack, not tied to concentration, giving... On-demand disadvantage after a roll is made is exceptionally powerful as well for a first-level reaction spell that you can take not on your turn. And as we discussed in episode three, we love reaction spells. Love a reaction spell. Now, as we discussed, the sage advice about this spell, it caused a lot of hoopla on the Twitters as well as other social media sites as well. The question in the errata is, can the Silvery Barb's spell in Strixhaven affect Legendary Resistance? Now, that when that question was posed, I was like, oh, wow, that would make this spell extremely powerful if it could overcome Legendary Resistance. But you have to remember what Legendary Resistance is. Here's the answer. No. When a creature uses Legendary Resistance, the creature turns a failed saving throw into a success, regardless of the number rolled on the d20. Forcing that creature to re-roll the d20 afterward doesn't change the fact that they chose to succeed the save as a result of legendary resistance. No amount of re-rolling will undo the success. With that in mind, this spell is phenomenal. Oh, 100%. This is a top tier spell. Lucian might take this <laughs> in fine. the very near future. That perfectly fits with this character as a, as somebody
1: who affects other people's. Exactly.
0: Uh, it's, it's thematic. Yes. It's really, really good. And as a first level spell, especially at higher levels, when you're cast, when you're like, all right, I'm casting my fifth, my fourth, my third level spells all over the place. Having a first level reaction spell is chef's kiss. Oh yeah, this is such a good spell. I mean, even depending on on
1: what type of enemy you're facing and and what kind of build you're going with, this could be better than than other reaction spells like uh, absorb elements. Like if you could get them to miss yeah. the chaos, the witch bolt instead of just uh, taking half damage. I agree. Depending this, on how well they're rolling.
0: Now absorb elements does have the benefit of being able to send that energy back with your next attack.
1: But if you're a if your main thing is buffing and and assisting, if then and. You know, if if you're like, okay, well that tax disadvantaged, now it missed me. Instead now my buddy is going to hit you really yeah. hard.
0: I'm imagining a situation where you cast this spell, you cast silvery barbs as a wizard to help protect your eldritch knight that's fighting face to face with this guy. And they use your reaction, and maybe the roll doesn't go your way. It still hits him. They then use their reaction to use Absorb Elements to take half the damage. They then have advantage on the next attack, as well as bonus. Da- like, the so, interactions yeah. that this spell has is... So yeah,
1: Silvery Barbs has, has a lot of potential, and depending on what kind of character you're playing, could be, uh, could be one of the top very very top-tier spell for a first level.
0: Very, very top-tier. Very big fan. The next spell not very top tier in my mind no i did not vortex warp this is associated with the quandrix college is a second level conjuration spell a casting time of an action range of 90 feet you magically twist space around another creature you can see within range the target must succeed on a constitution saving throw the target can choose to fail or the target is teleported to an unoccupied space of your choice that you can see within range The chosen space must be on a surface or in liquid that can support the target without the target having to squeeze. When you cast at higher levels, the range of the spell increases by 30 feet for every spell slot. I can see the uses for this spell. I acknowledge it, but as a second level spell and an action, there are so many better spells you could be using instead of this spell.
1: I think that this spell would be more useful in a um, in a non-combat sort of encounter in something where it's like a very classic, hey, there's a tall wall in front of you. How are you going to get up there? Okay, well, this chonky guy who can't climb things, teleport.
0: It is a second-level teleportation ability. You cannot deny the usefulness of that. But when compared to the other options, I would argue the only one that has less simple use would be the kinetic jaunt mm-hmm. i think those two are the low points all five of these spells i think are useful at mm-hmm. minimum i don't know if vortex warp is worth taking i would take instances. my i would take
1: vortex warp uh again if i was not looking to deal damage. as if i was building a character without any interest in if, you were, if or you were directly fighting yeah, an enemy,
0: if you were like a pacifist buff character, debuff character, then this spell has its use. But compared to the other fo- the other four available, mm-hmm. I think this would be the last one I would pick.
1: I think so. I yeah, I pre- I'm pretty much on the same boat with you.
0: Now, the second one that I would pick after Silvery Barb's is the last spell, Wither and Bloom, associated with the Wither Bloom College, as you could tell by the name. It's a second level necromancy spell. It is an action. It is 60 feet in range. The duration is instantaneous. You invoke both death and life upon a 10-foot radius sphere centered on a point within range. Each creature of your choice in that area can make must make a constitution saving throw, taking 2d6 necrotic damage on a failed save, half on a success. Non-magical vegetation that is in that area withers. In addition, one creature of your choice in that area can spend and roll one of its unspent hit dice. And regain a number of hit points equal to the roll, plus your spellcasting ability modifier. When it is upcast, the damage increases by 1d6 and the number of hit dice that can be spent and added to the healing roll increased by 1 for each slot above 2nd level. This is a passive way to do healing for the wizard, for the sorcerer, for... I mean, the bard has access to a couple healing spells... I really like this spell
1: this is a very good spell and uh another thing that for you know being second level second level even then uh allowing any spell that allows you to choose what targets are affected in an aoe always good especially like if you're Ooh, yeah. like you said if you're a sorcerer and you don't and you don't have any meta magic left that's <laughs> or if you're a wizard who doesn't have any meta magic at all that's often a problem with uh with playing a character like that is I'm going to cast this in this area, and I'm sorry, friends.
0: Yeah. But. This is this is a really good spell. If you've got the Barbarian, you've got the Fighter, you've got the Paladin, you've got the Monk. And then you have, in a campaign setting like this, likely only one true melee character in a party. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Being able to drop an AoE. The damage isn't super good. 2d6 Necrotic is fine. For second level, I think it's a little low. But... The ability to allow a character or creature of your choice to roll a hit dice to regain hit points in the midst of combat, in addition to the damage, is something that I love. The hit dice, it's one of the most underutilized things that you have on a character sheet. And a lot of campaigns I know that I've played in and that I run even, the short rest is not often needed. That's true. There are some. There, of course, there are tables that are going to have adventuring days where there's three, four, five combat encounters in a day, and the short rest is very important. The way that we've played D anD D, oftentimes you don't need the short rest, and in fa- and people will often take a long rest in favor of it just because it's better. And the hit dice fall by the wayside because of that. A spell that allows you to instantaneously roll a hit die and regain that hit point, those hit points. I absolutely love it, and I cannot wait. I, I, I hope that this is indicative that Wizards of the Coast is looking at the hit dice and other ways to use it, other than just healing on a short rest.
1: I also like the fact that it, with all with uh, most of these spells or a couple um, with these spells. It well, like you said, you think it's a little high level or for or a little, little low damage for for a second level, but that's because they've split it and they've and they're giving you dual functionality. I like these spells same with silvery barbs where it has two functions and uh I think that that I mean obviously you're just going to have very straight up spells like they do you know fireball very simple yeah firebolt very simple but I like these uh spells that give you two things to do with one cast Exactly. They're a little weaker because, you know, simultaneous, but I like that idea. I think if Wizards of the Coast keeps making spells like this, it'll be very good. It'll give uh, more versatility yeah. to casters um, at low levels in combat. Because oftentimes, casters at low level in combat,
0: uh, I cast Firebolt. Okay? That's all I can do. Yeah. I, this, I, I'm imagining a situation where your fighter runs in in, in a Strixhaven combat And just gets eviscerated, Mm -hmm. while the casters all stay back. This is a great way when that character gets swarmed and say they get knocked unconscious. This will damage a lot of these creatures that the fighter may have already damaged, possibly taking several of them out, and then immediately bringing them back up in the same action for one spell slot. Yeah, the power of that cannot be understated, and I think. The Wither and Bloom spell and the Silvery Barb spells immediately hike up the Silver Quill and the Wither Bloom colleges as being very sought after colleges to take. I agree. All right. Moving on, the Moving next on. section. The magic items. The magic items section.
1: So, um, uh, I, I think we can just kind of blanket say uh, we can split this into two categories: the primers yes. and the not primers.
0: Yes. The col- again, there are five uncommon magic items that are essentially spellbooks associated with the five colleges. Now these spellbooks they simply require attunement by a spellcaster. is mm-hmm. very broad. Not only your full casters, the paladin after they have the spellcasting feature is a spellcaster. The ranger when they have the spellcasting fe- uh, billet, when they have the spellcasting feature is a spellcaster. Eldritch knight, arcane trickster. It's available to a lot of people that wouldn't normally be using spellbooks pretty much all of these primers do effectively the same thing. One D you have three charges, regains 1D3 daily at dawn that you can use to add you can expend a charge to add a D4 bonus to certain ability checks depending on the primer. In addition, you can study the primer at the end of a long rest and you can choose a first level spell from a certain spell list depending on the college. Before you finish the next long rest, you can cast the chosen spell once without expending a spell slot if you are holding the primer. And then the spell casting ability for the spell is your choice of intelligence, wisdom, or charisma. And that's same across all. Very, very flexible. These are all uncommon magic items. As we discussed previously, I if I were running a strict saving campaign after the first year, the first one levels one, two, and three, I would give everyone a primer of their college as well as the uh, mascot feat.
1: I, I I probably would as well, and even in non strict saving campaigns, I think these are very good because in a lot of low level magic items for casters are kind of mediocre
0: your plus ones your wand of smiles and wand of frown like yeah your hat of uh your wand of magic missile your wand of fireball yeah they're pretty straightforward yeah these
1: again give more flexibility um of course the opposite is true when you get to higher levels casters have all the stuff
0: but that's not what we're talking about right now yes now a couple other uh magic items we have four commons one of them is the spell scroll which mm-hmm. they don't even list in the book. They simply say, first level spell DMG. Yep.
1: Makes Classic. sense. These are what you can buy on campus.
0: Yeah. Basically. They also have an uncommon, the magic weapon plus one DMG. Not you listed know. here. The other three that are listed here are the bottle of Boundless Coffee.
1: It's a silly magic item.
0: It is a silly magic item, and I love it. <laughs> the Cuddly Strixhaven Mascot, which is a mascot that you can use an action to attach to a limb, and it just snuggles on you.
1: And it gives you advantage on something, right?
0: Yes, but it actually does do something. The toy can also be used to fight off fear. When you make a saving throw to avoid or end the frightened condition on yourself, you can give yourself advantage on the roll if the toy is on your person. You must decide to do so before rolling the d20. If the save succeeds, you can't use the toy in this way again until you finish a long rest. A cute, funny, little nothing that once, twice in the campaign will come in handy. I'm fine with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um and I also like that that little only you don't you only have to wait for the recharge if it succeeds.
0: If it succeeds, that's good. The final one is the Strixhaven pennant. It is simply a magic pennant that has a symbol of your college and you can cause it to glow and emit light. So if your DM lets you have this, you don't need to take the light or the dancing lights cantrip, freeing up a cantrip slot. Yeah. That's about it. The magic items, again, very short, very simple. A lot of people are disappointed because this was advertised as a campaign setting and not an adventure module. But it is, in fact, an adventure module. And from that point of view, I like these magic items. Love the primers. Love a good spell book Mm -hmm. magic item as a a wizard player, as well as a non-wizard player. An Eldritch Knight with 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 a spell book? I'm all for it. Moving on. We move into chapter three. This is the last chapter before the adventure module starts. It gets into a lot of the interesting gameplay functions of the Strixhaven adventure module. This is where we get into various things like relationships, your report card, extracurricular activities, jobs, and interesting features like the student dice. Now on page forty-three, there is a picture of it is called Strixhaven Memories, which is an additional sheet that you will be giving your play, which is an additional sheet that you will be giving your players. It will allow them to fill in names and features associated with relationships that they make with NPCs. We will get with that to that in a moment. It has your report card for all of the exams that you will be taking. Will you actually be answering questions? No, no, you won't. Mm. Your character will but it will require studying and roles. It also shows your extracurriculars and allows you to keep track, keep track of your job as well. Now relationships are, I think one of the biggest things Mm -hmm. you have 18 pre-made NPCs and all of them are associated with different extracurricular activities as well as different jobs at Strixhaven. And all of them are able to be encountered by anyone in the party and you are able to befriend them or piss them off and then you've got a rival. You can They can become your Ron Weasley. They can also become your Draco Malfoy. Yep. And depending on how that relationship goes, at your DM's discretion, you will be getting relationship points. Either a plus one or a negative one with your interactions with these NPCs. Once they get two or more relationship points, you get a bond boon, which is a benefit unique to each NPC if you get a minus two or lower you get a bond bane which is a detriment specific to all of the NPCs for example we will check out let's say Grayson Wildemere he's a first year neutral human of Silverquill he takes takes part in the future entrepreneurs of Strixhaven and the Strixhaven star he does not have a job is Bond boon. whenever you want to buy something on campus, a few words from Grayson get you deals. There's a 25% chance your purchase cost half, costs half as much. The Bond Bane gossip columns proclaim exaggerated versions of your worst traits. So while not strictly mechanically focused, every time you run through a Strixhaven campaign, it is going to be vastly different mm-hmm. if you are implementing these relationships.
1: I can... Uh... I personally enjoy this. Um, just oh, I, I love it. The idea of, of like you said, not all of them are mechanically great or bad. Like some of them are just like when you walk into a room, if this person doesn't like you, everybody stops and stares at you. Yeah. Um. Super cool. I can, also,
0: very ahead. relatable. Oh, yeah. So relatable to like normal school and high school <laughs> experience. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah you just had you just had like a vietnam war flashback there <laughs> uh,
1: uh but i can see how some people might get not like this for the reason it very much gamifies these interactions
0: that is true that um, is true again
1: i'm fine with it because we are playing a game and giving these these uh you know of course you can make your own um but yeah, giving these options out here is, is great. It's something to achieve. And maybe that's something you want to roleplay. Like, you know, maybe going through the first time, you don't tell your, uh, your your players don't necessarily know what all the boons and banes are beforehand, and they get to find them out as they go.
0: I think that is the way that you should run that.
1: But I think if you have more advanced players, getting, like, this person's going, if I piss off this person, you know, maybe they they choose... Like, they look and they think to themselves, if I piss off this person, it's going to give me interesting roleplay opportunities. Exactly. So, I think there is options for mm-hmm. uh, on both ends of the table.
0: Now, that is one interesting thing. I know a lot of D&D adventuring parties are very paranoid.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They're very difficult to trust an NPC, sometimes. I feel like if people look too deeply... Like, if everyone at the table has a copy of Strixhaven, then you might... Get into the issue of your min maxers exclusively going after and trying to befriend the NPCs that will benefit them the most. And I would allow that, but give it ramifications because your character is literally, your character is literally like manipulating people at that point. And that could in itself become a role play opportunity. Obviously, discuss it with the player. Right and make sure that everyone's on the same page. Now, another part of the relationship that you can build with these characters, you can choose to make these characters beloved, mm-hmm. whether that be romantically or platonically. You can romance any of these NPCs, and there's rules for it, <laughs> which I just find hilarious, and I love it. Anyway. I think uh, going back to those roleplay opportunities,
1: another another layer you can even add in is... Uh... Because somebody goes and befriends, let's say you go and befriend. Uh, there's the Dampfamir in there, the very mm-hmm. first one. Yes. Um, maybe not liked by somebody else. Maybe another because you befriend this student. Maybe another student doesn't like you. So if you befriend them, maybe you automatically get the bane to another student. You could create exactly. a whole web of intricate relationships if that's your thing. If, if you are, if
0: you were if you were the DM that loves interpersonal and interpolitical D and D campaigns. I mean, this is this is just a smorgasbord of options for you. The web of interpersonal relationships that can happen are countless, mm-hmm. and obviously, some of the NPCs are leaned in certain directions. The Dampire, for example, I I've re- I really like these. <laughs> this, is, this is if you were to give this a new coat of paint to make it Harry Potter. This is something that you definitely should carry over. Oh yeah. This is a great mechanic. Another mechanic that I think is interesting are the exams. The exams are fine. Yeah. Obviously, you're in school, you have to do something there. I love I've read parts of the the module that talk about how to how the DM you should role play it mm-hmm. and actually like having written questions to talk about. Basically, Leading up to an exam, your characters have the opportunity to study. They can choose to forego it. They can choose to study normally. They can choose to push themselves and study through the night and get exhausted, but they get benefits. They can also choose to cheat. There are rules for cheating on exams, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. And then you can fail an exam, you can pass an exam, or you can ace an exam. And depending on what happens, you either have a benefit or a detriment to skill checks associated with that exam for the year they reset every year mm-hmm. it's an interesting mechanic you're getting a plus d4 to certain skills it mechanically is not that big of a deal it's very role play heavy i like it i would definitely gloss over it a bit more
1: yeah i, uh, I i'm <clears throat> on the uh, what are the what are the muppets uh the muppet guy wolford and Gr- and uh wolford and gromit, gromit? no not gromit. whatever that's uh but the I feel like we're on the opposite end here. You're like, I don't mind it. I'm like, I, I'm i slightly... I'm in the other direction. I'm like, eh, minus one. Okay, but minus one.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I think that they were trying something cool, but, I don't know, they just missed the mark when it just it just comes down to an ability check. That's yeah. it. And and other books have handouts in the back that you can photocopy and hand to your players where this one, they could have easily done that, especially sent for the module... Exactly, um, and, and instead of uh, instead of yeah, kind of putting some extra prep work on the DM. Yeah.
0: It would be it would be interesting to have it set up that in the year leading up to it, there are set adventure points that you hit where your characters are going to be learning about, like a certain monster type mm-hmm. by encountering it in combat, and then later the exam is questions based on that monster type. Yeah, and know. have it actually be a question and answer instead of just mm. skill checks. Yeah, I, uh, I I read the first
1: one. I checked out the first one to see how it worked. And it's, like, basically a couple days before the exam on slads. slads? Slades. Slades. Sure. Sluties. Slutie boys. Um, um, frog parasite men. Uh, <laughs> you, you have a weird frog encounter, basically. Yeah. Um, but, so... <laughs> Yeah, I think they could have worked that a little—they could have massaged it a little more into something, an actual interesting encounter, not just a series of, okay, please roll an Arcana check.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. So you have your report cards. You also have extracurricular activities and jobs.
1: Extracurricular activities, you get a little description, and for doing uh, every one you do, which you can do up to two or one if you have a job— you get some extra skill of proficiencies.
0: You get you get extra skill proficiencies. It also gives you opportunity to interact with these NPCs and get relationship points with them. Some of these extracurriculars are hilarious. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've got certain things that you would expect. The Dragon's Guard Historical Society, the Dragon Chess Club, the Distinguished Society of Fine Arts. And then you have things like the... Oh, gosh. The Intramural Water Dancing Club. Or the live-action role-playing guild. If you want more role-playing in your role-playing, then you could get really meta with that. Yo, bro, I heard you like role-play. <laughs> I heard you like role-play. And then, of course, you have the Strixhaven Ironlifters Society for your barbarians. You got the show band, the Strixhaven Star, which is the newspaper... These are all just hilarious. They all have skills that, as you said, skills that uh, you'll get benefits for. They also have NPCs that are already written that your characters will easily be able to interact with. You also get access to the student dice. Mm -hmm. The student dice, uh, each character will gain one for each curricular that they participate in. It's basically just a D4 to add to an ability check associated with the skill based on their extracurricular. You can also choose to leave an extracurricular activity at any time and join another one, but you then lose the benefit of your student dice associated with those skills. I love it.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> they're just they're hilarious. And that's how you meet some of the NPCs that we talked about earlier and probably like, oh, you know, this this one you're close to. This is probably one you're gonna interact with and get to either love or hate from.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now the other the other side of that, you can also take a job. The job benefit, instead of getting a D4 that you can add to certain skills, you just get a wage, which is uh, five gold pieces at the start of each week that you hold the job. If you quit a job during an academic year, you stop earning that money at the end of the week in which they quit. Now remember, the way this adventure is set up, levels, I, I checked it as we were going, it's level one to four. You end the school year at level four. You're in a school year. So a session might be taking place over multiple weeks. So just try and help them keep track of it and be like, all right, logically, it's been like a month and a half. Here's 30, 35 gold for your job. Now, some of the job options are more what you would expect the biblioplex, working at a library, campus grounds, the magic labs, the stadium, the performing arts, intramural fields, the cafe, dormitories, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a coworker that you will have that is one of the NPCs as listed before. And there are also several types of jobs associated with each one. For example, if you are working in the Bow's End Tavern, There's the assistant manager, cleanup crew member, you could be a cook, a host, a server, a whole lot of things. And if you are a role-play focused group and a DM that really loves creating encounters for role-playing, the jobs and the extracurriculars could take up entire sessions in and of themselves in between the pre-written stuff for the module of just fun interactions with random NPCs that you make up and you could you could get really into the weeds of this if that's what you're into i like again much like the extracurriculars it's all fun it's all good mm-hmm. it it can span the gamut of this is 5 minutes in our game session or this is the 5 hour game session <laughs> which the flexibility is nice
1: yeah um i can see how a less roleplay heavy group um might not be super uh, uh jonesed about either the extracurriculars or the jobs because they're very minor benefits and we know a lot of people uh, and and there are a lot of people on the internet who are not happy when something doesn't give them a very good benefit um but i i think these are fun
0: i agree i agree now after that chapter is are the chapters involving the adventure module we are not going to get into that uh there are a lot of stat blocks that are associated with the adventure module that are in the back of the book Uh, We'll get to the bestiary shortly. That's the last thing. But just as an overview, to correct what we were saying earlier, the first chunk of the adventure is chapter three, and it takes you from first level, and then you end at fourth level, starting your second year at fourth level. You then end at sixth level. You then start your third year at sixth level and go to eighth level. And then the last module takes you from eighth level to tenth level. A four-year, a four-year college school experience taking you from levels one to ten. You can you can span a lot of the meat of D D mm-hmm. in this adventure, and I I really like that. We will not get into the details of it. It's a school. There's maps for the school. It's it's all very fun. It does
1: have some lovely artwork, though. There is some very very nice artwork in
0: here. It's got a lot of great artwork. It's got a lot of rate of great. Dungeon maps mm-hmm. for various encounters throughout yep, the years. Awesome. All very good. Now, all right, let's get to the back of the book beastiary. here. So, to the bestiary. There are quite a few creatures here. The majority of them are either humanoid or construct, interestingly enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, the humanoids, the vast majority of them are various levels of student and professor for all five colleges, yet again, that all have different spell lists and different unique abilities associated with their college. Um, basically just making it really easy to do. And maybe maybe you want to get in a fight in the halls. Mm-hmm. And so you, or a dueling club. Or a dueling club. And there are obviously encounters that have other students and professors around. The constructs are very interesting. Um, All of the mascots, or most of the mascots are constructs. There is the art elemental mascot as well, which is an elemental. But the constructs are like an archivist in the library. Um, A ruin grinder. There are ruins outside of Strixhaven, which part of the adventure takes place in. The other thing, you will really love this, are the five dragons, which are associated with the founding of the five colleges of Strixhaven. I hope you guys can see the pattern here. <laughs> the five colleges are very important, as well as some unique fiends and celestials and plants and oozes that are all associated with the adventures that take place in Strixhaven. I think you, have any, you have any unique thoughts so I think it does a good uh, a good job of giving
1: you a little bit of every different type of monster. Like uh, I mean, obviously we have some some books very specifically dedicated, like Fizban's Treasury of Dragons, very specifically dedicated. Um, but uh, I, I like especially that they give you a couple new like plant plant enemies. There's plant. a lot of plant enemies, and there are some spells that very specifically affect plant enemies. Yeah. Um, other than that, I would say that. I do enjoy the gambit of uh, spellcasters they have for students and teachers. And assuredly, assuredly, I will reach in here and grab out some of the stat blocks because... Spellcasters are very useful, like just straight up humans, humanoid spellcasters are useful. Absolutely, and if you don't want to set them up yourself, there's not a huge amount of those available in other books.
0: Exactly, Um, they make it very clear in like the DMG and Volos Guide to Monsters and the Monster Manual that you can customize stat blocks and give them new spell lists, but these are all pre-made for you and very easy to just pick and go with. Um, A lot of spellcasters in these um, in the other. Books also tend to be high-level spellcasters, whereas you have apprentices for each of the five colleges, which are low-level spellcasters that you can plunk in at lower levels, uh, make it a lot easier. I believe they're... What is it? Challenge rating two, so not, like, super low-level, but...
1: I mean, still, uh, uh, you know, a couple of those... You know, throw a couple of those at a low-level party... And, and they'll be challenged, or throw a couple of those in with your bigger boss or bosser monsters, your bigger boss monsters Absolutely. at higher levels, and they and you know, add the challenge in
0: there to your party. I'd love, yeah, all very good. Uh, the, the stat blocks here really evoke with me the like, all right, your party has a rival, and maybe you guys get in a fight in the halls at school and you're slinging spells and then you've got these high level professors that come and start counterspelling and restraining students with magic and suddenly you have a great role play encounter of detention detention something that doesn't exist in this book you'd have to come up with your own rules for detention
1: you just make just make your friends sit at the table for an hour quietly
0: (laughs) all right here's your punishment You bring out an hourglass that's like a five minute timer and you flip it over and you're like, every time you speak, we start over. (laughs) And you just sit quietly for five minutes staring at each other. (laughs) That's so rude. (laughs) So rude. If you work that into your game, please let us know. Tell us how that goes. Please let us know. That is amazing. Last but certainly not least, at the very end of the book, I have not ripped it out yet, but there is a map poster. Of the entire map of the Strixhaven Academy, including the central campus grounds and the f- uh, five uh, exterior grounds that are associated with the five colleges. It's very pretty. It's very nice. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're going to hang it up. We're not really Strixhaven people. Yeah, yeah. It's a fun book. It's a good poster. Yes. Very well done.
1: Very enjoyable.
0: That being said, what are your final thoughts?
1: Um, overall, again, and, and we're going to take this more as a module and not so much as a campaign setting. Absolutely. I don't run a lot of modules. I would, I, I would, uh, I would look through this to get definitely to get some ideas, because overall I very much like this, and and mainly I like it because it is a magic school idea, mm-hmm. without just being a straight up Hogwarts
0: implant. Yeah. the The inspiration is definitely there. Mm-hmm. Very, very much there, but it is different, decidedly so. It is more D anD D. It is more high magic. Mm-hmm and it offers a much wider array of what is a magic school yes this is not a wizard school it's a magic school as we said before your wild magic barbarian is ho- at home here mm-hmm. your way of the open hand monk is at home here your way of the four elements monk is at home here we chose to record this at 11 30 in the morning on a tuesday yes I don't think many people have been watching TikTok Lives at 11.30 in the morning on Tuesday. And thus, I believe we don't really have many questions. Uh, Somebody said hi. Hello.
1: Black Nebula 7 said hi. And when we were discussing uh, Silvery Barbs, North the Mage asked, what spell are we talking about?
0: (laughs) Silvery Barbs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That, that spell did cause a whole lot of hullabaloo on the internet when this book came out of people getting a little bit overzealous with themselves and not really understanding the mechanics behind the legendary resistance. I mean, depend. you know, there
1: are a lot of people out there who um, are very strictly players uh, yep. and, and though they love D and D immensely. Um, but yeah, if you're not reading through things like legendary resistance or other rules that you might not necessarily need to read through as a, as a player or on the reverse side, um, a lot of like, individual class spell casting abilities uh our, our friend uh, a friend and and fellow dm uh salem didn't uh get how certain spell casting mechanics worked as and uh, it came up during one of our games um but he, he very much said it's not because i've never read
0: them i don't need to read them
1: i'm like yeah it's correct you don't need that's to read absolutely
0: them. these books are not meant to be read cover to cover no no they are they these are, are reference books.
1: materials but
0: yes yes well then since we don't really have any questions, we will wish you a Merry Christmas, a Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah.
1: I think Hanukkah might be over by the time this comes out. I
0: think, Han- I think Hanukkah is already over. A post post-homulus, post-homulus, post-hom- I can't, posthumous, there we go. After death? No. <laughs> post- Post-Hanukkah. Um, a post-Hanukkah greeting. Yes. Happy New Year. I believe the next episode after this that we release will be in the new year. Yeah. So um, that'll be fun. in
1: 2022. But in the meantime, if you do want to catch us before 2022.
0: Follow us on TikTok, Dungeon Bros YT. Twitter, Dungeon Bros YT. The YouTube channel, just Dungeon Bros, because that is what the YT stands for, is YouTube.
1: You can find us on all major podcasting
0: platforms, including Spotify and some other ones. Apple, Google. The good, the good ones the good ones and finally the discord server which you can find an invite link to in the link tree in the bio of our tiktok as well as we should put the link tree in the bio of our twitter we will do that that would be, that'd be a good idea Do, you do that? i don't know make a note of that
1: make a note just to write that down
0: just to write that down um as actually, well as in the description of pretty much every youtube video we do
1: nobody in the chat huh there
0: is uh so what so what we've learned Maybe we should continue recording this after work hours are done.
1: <laughs> Unfortunately, you're working after work hours this week.
0: Yeah, yeah, I am working nights, making that not really possible. Thus, the recording on a Tuesday morning.
1: Yep. So now we know we're probably going to cut out a lot of this out, but oh, yeah. uh, we've got yeah. a lot of things coming down the pike uh, tomorrow, which will be two weeks after, or er, a, week, a and week and a week half after. Uh, this is a week before this is posted. We should hopefully have a. The first YouTube video that's not one of these coming
0: out. That isn't a podcast or just a simple repost on TikTok. We would like to be chopping up the podcast to make some shorts, as well as a proper talking head video, courtesy Mm -hmm. of Samuel. Yeah. Very good.
1: So, if you're listening to this, say hi. Tell us what you want to see.
0: Yep. uh... You can catch us in two weeks' time, as you've grown to expect on these quick two months that we've been doing this podcast. Indeed. 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 It's been a joy. If you're a DM, you like Strixhaven, go get it. If you're a player and you like Strixhaven, sure. Or Harry Potter. Bully
1: your DM into getting it.
0: Bully your DM into getting it. (laughs) It it really forces a level 1 to 10 campaign, which is always good. Time-consuming, but good. With that being said, we'll catch you all next time. Enjoy the holidays. Don't get too drunk in front of your families as much as you may want to. Not too drunk. Keep it reasonable.